the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. This is a good verse for us to consider, to take inventory of ourselves. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith or not. Test yourselves. We say that we're followers of Jesus Christ. We identify as Christians. Well, do we obey his voice? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Do we keep his word? Have you ever heard the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it, often promising completion of something? For example, as a Christian, a follower of Jesus' commandments, are we just giving lip service, or are we believers in word and deed? Today, Pastor Dan brings forth the urgency of Zephaniah's words that God will know his people by their actions. It can be a hard pill to swallow, but a great obstacle to remove before it's too late. Is there an area of your life today that can step up with faith in action? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Zephaniah chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. And God will use the Babylonians to destroy the Philistines. When the Babylonians invade that region, they're also going to conquer the Philistines. Now, just a couple things I want to point out here. In verse 4, God says, They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday. And the idea here is that it will only take a half a day to conquer Ashdod. God says, you know, I'll drive them out before lunchtime. We can go get a falafel afterwards, you know, kind of thing. Now, if you're a note taker and a Bible nerd, at the time that Zephaniah wrote this prophecy, at the very time that he wrote this prophecy, Egypt was in the midst of a 30-year siege against the city of Ashdod. So the Egyptians, of course, were one of the most powerful armies in the world, and it took the Egyptian army 30 years to conquer Ashdod. That's going on as Zephaniah writes this. And God says, I'll drive them out before noon. You know, in Psalm 20, it says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. The Egyptians, they trusted in their chariots and their horses and their military. And it took them 30 years to conquer Ashdod. God can do in a matter of hours what it takes man a generation to accomplish. So it's better to trust in the Lord. The city of Ekron that's mentioned here in verse 4. The city of Ekron was so completely destroyed by the Babylonians that its location was unknown until the late 20th century. They couldn't find it. 
1997, the location of Ekron was identified when archaeologists were excavating an area and they found a 220-pound stone that had an inscription on it and the stone was a dedication stone dedicating a temple to a Philistine god. And the inscription mentions the name of the Philistine king who built the temple and the name of the location of the city in which the temple stood, the city of Ekron. It's very, very uncommon for archaeologists to find an inscription that mentions the town by name or the king by name. So this was a very significant discovery that identified the city of Ekron. And that's just in 1997. And so verse 6 now, he says he's still talking about the Philistine area along the seacoast there in the coastal plain. The seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. Now today that region of Israel along the Mediterranean coast there is very built up and developed There's major cities along there. In fact, Ashdod that's mentioned here is the sixth largest city in Israel. It's the main seaport of Israel today. 60% of their shipping that comes in and goes out, goes in and out through the city of Ashdod. If you Google pictures of Ashdod from a hundred years ago, it's just, it's just fields and shepherds have their flocks. There It was pasture land for flocks. It's just in the last hundred years that it's become a major city. But here God says, I'm going to turn it into a pasture for shepherds and their sheep. And that's exactly what happened. And so verse seven, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there in the houses of Ashkelon. They shall lie down at evening. Look what it says. For the Lord, their God will intervene for them and return their captives. What a promise. God will intervene for them. For them. That, that's our prayer that God will intervene for us in this world. Now, in verse 8, we move to the countries that were east of the land of Israel Moab and Ammon. Uh, I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults, insults of the people of Ammon, which they have reproached my people, with which they have reproached my people, and made arrogant threats against. Their borders. Now, Moab and Ammon opposed Israel, and Moab and Ammon were constantly raiding the land of Israel, especially anytime Israel was in a weakened condition due to war or invasion. The Moabites and the Ammonites would take advantage of their weakened condition and invade the country, loot the cities, even taking captives and selling them into slavery. And they're right there on the border. So they just would come across the border and invade the land and and loot some of the cities. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom and the people of Ammon like Gomorrah, overrun with weeds and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall plunder them and the remnant of my people shall Possess them. The Moabites and the Ammonites, God says, they will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when I'm done with them. Now, the Moabites and Ammonites were very familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah because they were the descendants of Lot. And remember, God delivered Lot, righteous Lot, out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And here, God says to the descendants of righteous Lot, I will do to you 
what I did to Sodom and Gomorrah because of the way that you've treated my people. He goes on in verse 10. This they shall have for their pride because they have reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the Lord of hosts. That's the reason for the judgment. Because they've threatened the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome to them for he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. People shall worship him, each one from his place, indeed all the shores of the nations. Here speaking of the Gentile nations. This again seems to be looking ahead to the kingdom age where God says, I will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth. People shall worship him, worship the Lord God only, each one from his own place. Indeed, all the shores of the nation, all the Gentile nations in the kingdom age will worship Jesus Christ and him only. In the kingdom age, you're not going to see one of those coexist stickers on cars. There's not going to be none of that. And then you have the Ethiopians, verse 12. You Ethiopians also shall be slain by my sword. They were to the south. And then verse 13, you have the Assyrians who were to the north. And he will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation as dry as the wilderness. Now, this shows us that Zephaniah was writing before the destruction of Assyria and before the destruction of Nineveh, which was in 612 BC. So again, he's talking about the Babylonians destroying all these nations before the Babylonians are even a world empire yet. Right now, Assyria is the main world empire. Egypt to the south is another major world empire. Babylon's on the rise, but they're not the world empire yet. But he says here, Nineveh will be a desolation. We've talked about the greatness of the city of Nineveh before. The Assyrians believed that city could never be conquered or destroyed, that it was invincible. And yet God says it will be a desolation. In verse 14, he says, The herd shall lie down in her midst. Every beast of the nation, both the pelican and the bittern, shall lodge on the capitals of her pillars. We've talked about that before. Pelicans nest on the ground. Or near the ground. And so for them to nest on the capitals of the pillars of the city. Is telling us the whole city is going to be buried. And that's exactly what happened. And their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be at the threshold. For he will lay bare the cedar work. The Assyrians conquered Lebanon. And they cleared out all of the cedars of Lebanon. Or most of the cedars of Lebanon. To build their temples and build their palaces. So here it's referring to that. Verse 15 says, This is the rejoicing city, Nineveh, that dwelt securely. They never thought they could ever be conquered. That said in her heart, I am it. <laughs> I like that. I'm it. And there is none besides me. How has she become a desolation? A place for beasts to lie down. Everyone who passes by her shall hiss. And shake his fist. You know, they'll pass by and go, what happened to Nineveh? That once great city is completely gone. <laughs> and so we go on now, and that brings us here to chapter 3. In chapter 3, in the first part of chapter 3, Zephaniah turns his attention to the wickedness of Jerusalem in the days of Zephaniah. Woe to her, 
who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city. And this is speaking of Jerusalem, the city of the great king, where God has placed his name. It has become a rebellious and polluted city, a city filled with oppression. Look at verse 2. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. Now, the people of Jerusalem, they identified as the people of God. They claimed to be followers of Yahweh, but they did not obey his voice. They would not receive his correction. They were stubborn and stiff-necked. They did not trust in the Lord. They trusted in their idols. And they would not draw near to God. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now. Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Isaiah says they drew near to God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. But they identified as followers of Yahweh. They weren't really followers of Yahweh. They said they were. But there was no evidence or fruit in their lives that showed that they were followers of Yahweh. This is a good verse for us to consider, to take inventory of ourselves. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith or not. Test yourselves. We say that we're followers of Jesus Christ. We identify as Christians. Well, do we obey his voice? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Do we keep his word? In 1 John chapter 2, it says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do we know if we know the Lord? How do we know if we're really Christians? Do we keep his commandments? He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So even if someone says, no, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If they don't keep his commandments, John says they're a liar. The truth is not really in that person. They don't know the Lord. They may say they do, but they don't. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So do we obey his voice? We know that we are in Christ and that we belong to him by our obedience to his word. I'm not talking about perfect, sinless obedience. But it's the desire of our heart to obey him. To keep his commands. To obey his voice. Do we receive correction from the Lord? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that the scripture is profitable 
for reproof and correction. The scriptures reprove us when we are doing something wrong. And then the scriptures tell us what is right. Is the Bible authoritative over our lives? When our lifestyle does not agree with what the Bible says, do we repent? And do we change our behavior? Do we bring our lifestyle into agreement with the word of God? Do we bring our lifestyle into submission to the word of God? Do we receive correction from the word of God? We say that we're Christians. Do we receive correction from the Lord? Or or do we say, well, I don't really agree with that part of the Bible. Or do we redefine what the Bible says, which is very popular today? Well, that word doesn't really mean that. And when it says that, that's not really what it means. We know today that it's, you know, for 6,000 years, that's what they thought, but we figured it out. Do we trust the Lord? Do we trust the Lord? Do we walk by faith? Or have we really put our trust in something else? Again, we say we're followers of Jesus Christ, but do we trust him? Do we draw near to God? Do we draw near to God? Do we desire to draw near to God in prayer and daily Bible reading and fellowship with other believers? Do we love those things? Do we seek them out? Do we hunger and thirst to be with the Lord? If we are really followers of Jesus Christ... We will show it by obeying his voice, by receiving his correction, by trusting in him by faith, and drawing near to him daily. Those are things that a Christian does. And that's how people will know. That's how we know. We're to examine ourselves, whether we're really in the faith or not. That's how we know if we're really in the faith, because we do these things. Look at verse 3. Again, he's speaking of Jerusalem here, the capital city of Judah. Her princes, so these will be her leaders, in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary of God. They have done violence to the law. The greatest threat to the nation of Judah was her own leaders. Her own leaders were destroying the nation. Her own leaders were devouring the nation. They're described as lions and wolves and treacherous. It says the priests have done violence to God's law. The priests of all people should have upheld God's law. The priests of all people should have been defending God's word. But it was the priests who did violence to God's word. The Apostle Paul tells us that the times will come when professing Christians will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, there will be false teachers who will tell people what they want to hear instead of what God says. False teachers, Paul warns us, will do violence to God's word. And we see that happening. 
We see that, I would say, more than any time in my lifetime as a Christian, do we see false teachers doing violence to God's word? Look at verse 5. Verse 5, he says, The Lord, look what it says, this is so great. The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light and he never fails. But the unjust knows no shame. This is so amazing. He says the Lord is in the midst of Judah with everything that's happening in the nation. In the midst of all the corruption, all the ungodliness, all the treachery, all the rebellion in the nation. God was in the middle of all of it working. Even even as the nation is going off a cliff, God is in the midst of it working. God is in the midst of our nation working right now. He's working. Even with everything going on in our nation, in the midst of tragedy and heartbreak and craziness, God is working in the midst of his people. And God never fails. He never fails. Do you see that in verse 5? He never fails. Now look what he says in verse 6. I have cut off nations. Their fortresses are devastated. I have made their streets desolate with none passing by. Their cities are destroyed. There is no one, no inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will receive instruction so that her dwelling would not be cut off despite everything for which I punished her. But they rose early and corrupted all their deeds. God says here to Judah, he says, look at the other nations that I have judged in the past for their ungodliness and for their wickedness. And look how I've utterly destroyed those nations. And God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what God is saying is, if I've judged those other nations in the past for their wickedness, well, certainly, surely, I will judge Judah for the same wickedness. And surely, God will judge other nations for the same wickedness. Other nations aren't going to get a pass. He's not going to change with other nations. He's immutable. He doesn't change. And he says to Judah, surely this should cause you to fear me. You've seen what I've done to other nations that have gone down this road that you're going down, Judah. Surely this should cause you to fear me. Surely this should cause you to receive instruction so that your nation will not be cut off like those other nations. But instead of turning back to God and repenting, Judah said, don't call me Shirley, and rose early and corrupted all of their deeds. They just ignored the warnings. When God can point to the ruins of these other nations and say, you see what I did over here. And you're on the same path. And they just rose up and corrupted all their deeds. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal.
Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Zephaniah, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. God's Word can speak to you in a variety of ways, and it can reach you in a personal way too. Are you learning and growing through this study in Zephaniah? If you'd like to hear more messages from this series, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. While you're visiting our website, you might be interested in learning more about the church that supports this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. You can even come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, visit calvaryec.com for details. You'll also notice a tab for giving and a tab for serving opportunities. Make sure to check those out and think about being a part of this ministry and the church as a whole. If you have questions, give us a call at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. Thanks for listening today to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that cry. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.